Greetings and welcome to our newest podcast of Into Beef. I'm Kelly Sheese, President-Elect of the Indiana Beef Cattle Association, and today very pleased to have with me Don Schiefelbein from Minnesota, the NCBA President. Don, welcome and thank you for joining us. Well, I'm glad to be with you today. So Don, tell us a little bit about your background and operation in the cattle industry. Well, like many places, we're a family operation. What differentiates us is maybe the size of the family. So I've got eight brothers I farm with, their wives. There's uh, 32 grandkids, 34 great-grandkids. A bunch of those are married. So when you add it all together, you're looking at about 85 of us all working together, making a living there in central Minnesota on primarily a seed stock operation. But as you can imagine, we got our fingers into about everything. We got some row crops, we got some feed yard, we got uh, everything in between, but primarily seed stock. Great. And I imagine 85 decision makers, you all get along all the time, right? Well, it's prepared me well for this NCBA job. (laughs) If anybody can say, boy, when you don't uh, agree on everything, you should quit. Boy, that never works in a family and it shouldn't work work in their industry as well. So you touched on a little bit about the diversity of your operation. I want to focus a little bit on the cattle feeding end. Tell us a little bit about how you had that structure set up. Yeah, ours is a little different. So what we're doing, again, we're a seed stock operation. So when we sell bulls, we're turning around and we buy back calves out of those bulls. So it's kind of making sure that we're buying the genetics we're producing, if you will. And so it really allows us to really fine tune those dials on feeding them because we know pretty precisely what we're getting back, how to feed them and how to capitalize on all those genetics we work so hard on. And when you get those calves back, do you have certain requirements for them coming in in terms of herd health? Yeah, you know, everything's cooperation, right? And if if you can cooperate and work together, you take out inefficiencies in the system, and that's what we're trying to do. So we work with our customers, and we say, hey, we want you to do precisely these kind of shots so that precisely when they arrive at our place, we know exactly how to follow them up with exactly what they're needed to make sure they have the best opportunity to stay healthy. And so it's kind of that relationship that matters and it goes to a lot of aspects of business. Sure, excellent. So in terms of setup, Minnesota's a little bit different from Indiana and certainly Texas. Tell us about your facilities that you feed these cattle out in. Yeah, we're in a confinement building and it's actually a slatted four floor deep pit confinement. So it's 12 foot deep underneath slats. And, uh, you know, 30 years ago they tried these, but they didn't have the quality of slats that they're capable of making today. And now with today's new technology, what they call dry, dry cured uh, slats, they have the strength and the tensile strength to really keep those slats in good shape for a long period of time. And it's really revolutionized the system because now on a very small uh, print, you can have quite a few cattle. In fact, in our barn itself, basically every 20 square foot of space, there's an animal. Outstanding. And you're talking in a little bit of familiar territory in Indiana. There's a lot of hogs raised here in confinement. Do you, with the cattle, do you do an all-in, all-out, or do you push them out as, as weight permits? How does that work? Kind of yes. So not exactly, but kind of yes, because our producers all don't wean on the same day. Sure. So what we'll try to do is we'll clean out uh, our slap barn, try to keep it empty, if you will, for about two or three weeks after a season, if you will, and then begin to start filling it in with uh, feeder calves. The second round, we'll keep full all the way through. So we'll have two rounds where it's full the whole time. We'll allow a little break, if you will, in there for two weeks and then refill again. 
And you mentioned you do do some crops. I imagine uh, that liquid gold that comes out of those cattle into that pit, is that reutilized in the manure in your operation? Yeah, absolutely. So it, it's it's the circle of life, isn't it? So mm -hmm. if you look at our operation, you see the cornfields out there that are going to feed the cattle, the manure underneath the 12-foot pit that's going to fertilize the field, and somehow using all God's goodness, we create beef, right? Exactly, exactly. And a good product it is. A little bit, how do you, um, how's the feed and the water system set up for those animals in a confined operation? Well, what we've in, in, uh, gone to is actually what they call water treatment facility. So we'll actually treat the cattle through the water, very similar to a swine operation, but very new to the cattle industry. So as animals arrive and we say, boy, they just got, you know, a little bumps and bruises maybe coming in on the truck, we'll actually turn on the aspirin, if you will, make them feel just a little bit better, allow them to feel comfortable. So they start eating right away. And as you know, if animals eat and drink right away, they still he stay healthy longer. So we're doing that. We're doing some antibiotic treatments in the water. So it's actually very similar to a hog operation in terms of how you're managing some uh, nutrients through the water. Absolutely, and I think that's an important consideration that we all keep in mind is the, is the health and well-being of our animals. So that's great to hear. A little bit on that endpoint, what are some of the key to making profits on feeding those calves for your operation? Well, I'm, I'm biased here, right? Because I'm a seed stock guy, but it's genetics, genetics, genetics. Sure. If you are not starting with the right uh, ingredients to make it go, Good things will not happen. And as I visit with the crowd here today, when you have a barn situation like ours, which those slatted barns are the most expensive uh, feeding units in the industry, you better have the right genetics in them, right? Because you have to maximize the value. And as I explained uh, to the crowd, uh, every day has to be a great day in there. And so you want to utilize those genetics, express those genetics to the maximum valuable output. And boy, that's what makes it work. Start with good genetics. Feed them uh, products that we didn't talk about much today, but what we like to do is feed them products most people either can't or won't. So we're a huge byproduct feeder. So if there's a product out there that somebody can't feed because it's too wet or too hard to ship to all the areas of the world, we're in there making it a big component of our feedstuffs, whether it's wet cake, uh, whether it's sweet corn uh, waste, all those kind of ingredients are big inputs for us for feeding the cattle. Once again, you talk about the circle of life. That's just upcycling cattle. Yes, it is. Recyclers using what we can eat. So tell us a little bit about, um, Don, switching gears, NCBA president. That's a huge, huge role uh, upcoming. What are some of the opportunities and challenges you see coming down the pike during your term? Well, I, I think hopefully people have seen that this industry is beginning to kind of cooperate more than it has in the past. And to me, that's essential. When we become this small, less than 1% of the population, if we think we can be successful fighting amongst ourselves, we've got to be kidding. We've got to start cooperating, getting along, figuring out common themes that we can work with that betters all of agriculture. And to me, that's going to be uh, the strong suit of how I play the industry going forward. Excellent. And I know you mentioned today, Don is, is one of our keynote speakers at the IBCA convention. And you mentioned, I, I have to ask you, uh, the cowboy hat on a plane story. And tell us, we all kind of uh, realize we need to communicate to consumers. And right now, what's top of mind with a lot of consumers is 
the Yellowstone uh, persona and a little bit about when you travel and get on the plane with, with a cowboy hat, what do people think? Well, the first thing that everybody asks is, where are you from? And their, their first guess usually is Texas, but since Yellowstone has come out, it has gone a long way towards, are you from Montana? And, and again, it's, it's amazing how that just that whole storytelling is carried through to our industry. Mm-hmm. And like I said, just jokingly, but they, they do really do ask it is, they also ask, well, how about a train station? You got one of those by you? And to me, it's, it just goes to tell you how much an effective storyteller can impact our industry. And it goes without saying that we need to continue telling our story. And work with others that do tell it well. And, and I know a lot of people may have a little heartburn because when you look at the Yellowstone story, there's her components of it that you're saying, maybe not exactly the way it's done at home. Mm-hmm. But the big picture is he's trying to sell some issues that we're dealing with in the industry in real time. And he's explaining that to a, a population that has no idea what our lives are like. And I think it's a eye opener for them to see that we're working with endangered species like wolves, et cetera. We're working with the outside forces coming in with development and trying to put up office buildings where there's uh, private properties. And the whole issue just continues and continues. And I think they do a very good job of explaining to just Joe public that being a rancher isn't as, u- as easy as it used to be. Absolutely. Well, Don, you did a great job today explaining to a producer audience uh, some of the opportunities and challenges we are facing and doing it by making us laugh and appreciate your time here in Indiana. We do want to remind you, uh, NCBA is our parent organization, and they do great things in terms of advocacy and representing us at the national level. Your membership dollars uh, through Indiana Beef also do that at the state level. So if you're not a member, we encourage you to become a member of IBCA as well as NCBA. We have a great crew of people, both volunteer producers and staff serving you. So thank you, Don, very much. And thanks for your support. We need everybody pulling together. and We appreciate your support of NCBA. Thank you. Until next time, remember to eat beef.